Good morning, church. My name is Andrew Howdyshell, and I am a sophomore at Trinity University. I was also baptized and confirmed at the First Presbyterian Church of Kerrville, so it is nice to be so close to a place like home. Today we continue our dive into the book of Hebrews. As we have read on our journey, the author is continuing to drive home the point, or the position of Jesus Christ and his authority. As he has exclaimed to the reader the greatness of Christ, it is only right that a teacher would correct and encourage his students. Today we receive such a lesson. Please follow along with me as we read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 11, through chapter 6, verse 12. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will and this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared the, in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to, to those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God but if it bears thorns and thistles it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned though we speak in this way yet in your case beloved we feel sure of better things things that belong to salvation for God is beloved, we feel sure, oh, for, for God is unjust so as to overlook your work and the, the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to the, have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. All flesh is grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> good morning, church. Good morning, good morning, indeed. Uh, real quick question, Andrew, what's harder, you being on the pitcher's mound or reading scripture in front of a church? Man, the pressure is real. And uh, I asked him this week, I was like, hey man, can you be my scripture reader this week? Because they're about to head out, Trinity's headed out to spring break as well as other universities. 
And my man said, yes. Like, even though a lot of his classmates have gone home, my man is still here because they're in the middle of their baseball season. I'm grateful for you, brother, for bringing such a great word and being our reader this morning, my boy. Church, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And before I get started, let us turn to the Lord in prayer. Join me. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to your word that we might clearly understand it and that we might greatly, gratefully receive it, that we might faithfully apply it to our lives. Father, as my words be true to your words, may they be taken to heart. But if my words should stray from your words, may they be quickly forgotten. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Amen. You might recognize that prayer. It's a prayer that Ron Skates used to always pray before, right in between after he got to read the word and to usher us in to scripture. Much like Ron, he is, was a coach, a friend, and a mentor to me and to many others. And just as Andrew read this morning, him being not just as a, a student of high esteem and standing there at Trinity University, but he's also a baseball player that knows intimately the relationship of a coach. He knows the words, the sharp and swift words of a teacher. More importantly, I'm sure he does know the loving embrace of a mentor. Just as Ron was that way towards me, my prayer is that as I've walked with college students in this season, in these past six years of serving here, my prayer is just as he poured into me, I would pour then into them. And just like now, as Andrew has stepped up and said, I will faithfully serve, he's going to encourage someone else to come up behind him. That's the beauty of legacy. Legacy is beautiful because we get to come into it and we come into it in different ways. And just like today, as we're continuing our growth in this book of Hebrews, and as you've heard and you're hearing, this is a pretty thick text to dwell in um, and to meditate on. It's no wonder that all of our pastors on staff played the It's Spring Break card and gave it to the new ordained pastors. Uh, they deliberately said, hey, it's spring break. You got this, right? It was like, it's tough. Yeah, don't worry. So they got Joe over there, praise God, uh, and contemporary as he just recently got ordained and installed, and as myself too, right? And I don't know if any of y'all have ever been a part of a, a Greek life organization or things like that. This is one of those team building exercises, right? <laughs> Off campus. We're team building, right? I mean, that's clearly what it is. Amen. Praise God, right? Uh, <laughs> But in all seriousness, there is value in team building and to seek knowledge. Uh, knowledge, fellowship, and a posture and desire to grow in a topic or an organization that we may find valuable. Today in our text, we see that the author of Hebrews is speaking with authority to its readers and to the audience, which at the time, of course, were Hebrew Christians, people that were Hebrews, and then now being Christians, he also speaks to us as we have been called to be disciples of God's word, disciples of Christ Jesus, amen? Thus, those that have a firm grasp for back then, and as us, like knowing the law, knowing the disciplines, and thus, this is the reason why in the first chapters, um, the, the author of Hebrews is exemplifying the positioning of Jesus as king and Messiah. That is why as we arrive in this text, the highlight is of growth and of maturity. 
and a commitment to the saving message of the gospel. This is necessary for us to have a firm and a sober view of the God that we worship. A clear view, not just as well, the, firstly, the God that we worship, but secondly, as we come to reflect and look at ourselves. It is necessary for us, just as you would, uh, as you would want to know in any organization, club or team or squad, you would call those that are invested and committed to rise with conviction. They do so out of love, knowing that what they are a part of is greater than just a casual, aloof commitment. Today, we as a church firmly understand that. Even as we said the Nicene Creed, even as we say the Apostles' Creed, the Holy Catholic Church, all together those that proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord of Lord and King of Kings, we can resonate with this to this morning church. Today, we will, we will process this scripture in three different ways. One of maturity, one of security, and finally of assurance. And when we look to maturity, we see the example of a coach, security of one that is a teacher that keeps you in line, and assurance of one of a loving mentor. As we look in maturity, verses five, uh, chapter 5, uh, 11 through 6 through 3, the first words in this reading is, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. The author literally just finished saying something and is proclaiming about this, we do have much to say, but you have become dull of hearing. The author is calling out the reader and the people that are listening that they are not what they think that they are. And thus they will miss out on the previous point that the author just shared. What was the previous point that the author just shared? I'm glad you asked, church. This is the word that was preached right before, this is the text, right before this text, if you have it in your pew Bibles. If not, I'm just following along as I read it. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he had suffered and though being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. And being designated by God a high priest of the order, after the order of Melchizedek. The author, oh, check this now, the author is accusing the reader of being dull of hearing. Hearing this accusation is not one that is without grounding either. But one that is talked about later in the passage. And the best part is that he doesn't stop there. The author goes further to proclaim that though they should be teachers, yet they are in need of being taught. We see in a very real moment that the author is calling out the disciples and those that are listening that they need to wake up. And it reminds me of a time when I was in football. Those of you who don't know, your brother was built to be a football player, and I was an offensive lineman, defensive lineman. You know, the, for some reason, my sister was a cross-country runner. My brother ran cross-country, too. And then me in the middle, the Lord was like, we just going to make him heavy. Praise God. <laughs> hey, double portion of blessing in my life. Praise God. Amen. Got me a double portion. Praise God right here. 
But when we would run, I'm not going to lie, there's something called a lineman jog. Maybe some of you may know it. If not, don't worry, I'll teach you a little bit about it. A lineman jog is like if you have the pace of like walking, like walking pace, it's literally walking pace speed. But a lineman jog is the same pace speed, but you got to like throw your shoulders up. Make it look like you're trying to run. You make yourself run. And I remember my coach be like, Solario, get moving. Like, I'll never forget, my coach would continue to call me out, and I'm like, I'm coming, coach, I'm coming. The same pace as walking. I'm just like, come, come, I'm trying to come. I'm, I'm on the way, coach. I'm on the way to where you called me to. My coach would continuously call me out when I was in practice. And I used to get so frustrated and ask, why would he call me out? But you see, what's interesting is that a coach knows the potential a player can have. He's invested in wanting to see this student this athlete, this person, to rise to the expectation. His reprimandation of me and speaking to me and calling me out was not one to hurt me, but to encourage me. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this text. It says again in the scriptures, in the days of his, uh, uh, he says here, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk not solid food. This analogy is meant to give the reader a call to awaken. Wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up. Time to take a sober view of your spiritual growth and maturing, for your age does not reflect your spiritual depth, but your fruits of faithfulness are a reflection of your spiritual growth. Ooh, sweet Jesus. The author further presses into this by adding another analogy. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by the constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You need some milk. The author is communicating to the reader and its listeners with stern proclamation and added weight. Can you imagine being knowing that you want a medium, medium rare steak, all the fixings, and what you really need, someone tells you out of wisdom, is you need a, you need a bottle of milk. This is tough. You need milk, not solid food. Thus the author explains what solid food is. Word of righteousness maturity to discernment, frequently practicing and distinguishing good and evil. Church, this past Ash Wednesday, Bob spoke about how the word of God can prick us in our hearts as it refines us and as it exposes our sin and as we become aware to the ways that we are not in God's will. I want us to take some time here to ask ourselves, is the reader talking, is the author talking to us? Or am I the only one that, can, that, that had to readjust my posture as I was sitting reading this portion of scripture? Is he talking to me? It can become heavily, it can be heavy, but I share, I share this text in love. Church, beloved, we must come to a place where we must look at ourselves because what we have done, because, because what it has been done on the cross. Church, you are not defined by your past. 
You are not defined by your previous actions. You are defined by the actions of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It is Christ's life, death, and resurrection and the power of the saving gospel that you have been defined. Your identity is no longer in question, but you are rather sons and daughters of the living King. We must take courage in this. But as we take courage in this, we must also be pressed to rise up and to have a sober, clear view of our lives and our actions. This is completely appropriate as today is Communion Sunday. And Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. He says, let each person examine himself. Then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Beloved, I desire you to take heart and to be encouraged as the author extends a hand to say, not to to walk alongside you and to walk together. He says in his text, therefore let us leave elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying the foundations of repentance from dead works or the faith towards God of the end of the instruction of washing and laying of hands in the resurrection of dead, eternal judgment. And this we do if God permits, take my hand and let us press forward together to leave elementary. Which brings us to our second point, security of knowing the truth. And what's interesting is that teachers, they're quick to call you out for the truth. Our second point won't take too much time on because of the depth to actually articulate it all. But if we read the beginning of this text as one that is calling out the reader to acknowledge the need for them to drink spiritual milk, the author goes further to talk about the elementary ABCs of faith so that they can mature and thus in those and all those things. I once had a professor at Houston Baptist University. His name was Dr. Sagwe, Felix Sagwe. Man was the most joyful man of all time. So joyful that his desk was full of like red pens and markers. And you would turn in your paper and I'm like, Dr. Sagwe, here it is. He's like, oh, I'm so excited to read it. (laughs) And then he'd take it and then he would mark, it was notorious, all of our papers would come back to us full of red marks of the way he was correcting us and saying, do this better, do this better, do this better. And as he gave it to us, and it was bleeding red, you're just like, ho, 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 try again, let's keep going. And I'm just like, wait, hold on, hold on, you calling me? He's like, oh, you should have spelled this better or done this. And I was like, uh, appreciate you. And I walked out feeling so discouraged. But I shouldn't be discouraged, because with joy, this man desired to teach me and hold me to a standard to rise up to education. What I thought was elementary and ABCs, he was calling me to rise further. We see this in this text. Again, therefore let us leave elementary doctrine of Christ, go on to maturing, not laying on the foundations of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, the instruction of washing and laying in the hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal eternal judgment. And this we do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those that have been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the ages to come and have fallen away to restore them again repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up in contempt. Let us take note of these ABCs that are described in this text. 
And Dr. N.T. Wright describes it in five different points, and I'm going to highlight these five different points of the ABCs. The first one is that you are enlightened when you come to truly know God. You are enlightened to see the light in your, eye, in your mind's eye, to recognize the truth about God, the world, and yourself, and your neighbor. Second, you tasted the heavenly gift. You begin to experience a new kind of life and love which reaches out to embrace you. And you realize that this life and love come from the heavens, from God himself. The third thing was that you would share in the Holy Spirit. This is a more personal way of speaking about how the one God comes to the individual and community, revealing truth, assuring us of love, and awakening hope. A hope that is in Christ Jesus. We have hope. The fourth is that you taste the good works of God. You experience the Bible and the message about Jesus like a cool drink on a hot day. Man, let me be blessed with one of those, praise God. <laughs> Fifth one is that you would taste the powers of the coming age. The new creation which God will one day accomplish has already begun, church, and has begun with Jesus. And the sense of the newness steals over you and overwhelms you and gives you hope, making you long both for the new world that will come to birth very soon and that you would be made ready for it. It is also helpful to see in this text that there are things that you just can't run back. Once you've experienced it once, it, you've been changed, trans, you've been transformed. Something drastically has caught your attention. And what are these things? The first one is the true understanding of repentance. To actually look at the thing that separates you, the sin that separates you, and to stand up and to turn and go the other direction. The second is faith towards God. You see this spelled out throughout the text, and it means, of course, the belief and the trust in the one true God, in the opposition of the idols of this time, the things that are captivating you when you come to know God. They might challenge your view, but they will never captivate you like God desires to captivate you. And as we fall in love with him, the third is baptism. Baptism and laying on the hands which was done in the earliest of times, which is an association for commitment into the community of Christians. And the fourth thing is the resurrection of the dead. There's only one resurrection of the dead. And thanks be to God, as there is one resurrection, we also know this, that Christ one time will come back for his people. And that's encouraging. Now this might seem like a shock, that these are the ABCs, right? You're like, man, that's a, that's a tall order. That's, that's thick. That these would be the ABCs of faith? These? The truth is this. Church, this is not a high expectation. This is the standard. We have lowered the bar and not preached and taught with conviction and clarity. And though I completely understand that we might have a heart that feels heavy for those that might think this is too much, but the truth must have its day and it is our responsibility to preach, teach, and share with what? We must preach, teach, and share with compassion, with love and intentionality. What a beautiful thing it is when we feel like we're drowning 
and we feel like it's too heavy and the burden is too much and I'm so overwhelmed and I feel like I can't breathe and my mouth is parched and I need something to rejuvenate me. And someone extends a hand to say, it will be okay. I will walk with you in this. You are not alone in your wrestling. What a blessing for us to be called to do such a thing. The author finalizes his point with imagery about the land that has been drunk with rain, often falls on it, produces crops, useful for those for the sake of cultivating and receiving the blessing for God. But if bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near being to the curse and its end should be burned. Yeah, this could sometimes make us pose the question about people losing their faith and losing salvation of apostasy. And though these questions are completely reasonable, this text should be one that also is considering of self-reflection. And the weight that is being called back in this text is a calling back to the garden. And when we see and we remind ourselves of the garden that God had created in Eden, it was a garden that God specifically made for the fellowship with him to know him and to work out the responsibilities that he gave to us. This is not, is this not what we're called to do now? To understand the weight of the expectation of the weight of the gospel and knowing that there are people that are hopeless out there and we have hope? The people that are, that are scared and fearful, we can give them confidence and assurance. People that are out there that feel unloved, they need to know that there's a God that loves them and that's pursuing them. Is this not the responsibility that we have to this day to share those things? It's the gospel, the radically saving message about how though sin had separated us, God responded. Thus we have been called out being matured in faith, sharing the ABCs, seeing the weight of the situation. And then the author finishes by encouraging us. Church, he finalizes in assurance of a word of a mentor or a shepherd in chapter six, verses nine through 11. These are the moments when we can become overwhelmed of moments of being honest with ourselves. We can feel like we fall short and we have missed the mark. This is a common wrestling point with us as believers today. But thanks be to God that he has not left us. He did not leave us nor forsake us. He has blessed us with the infallible and the inerrant and the powerful word of God that we can read and dwell in and that we can be comforted in as we press on forward. He finishes this text saying, though we speak this way, he even realizes it, though I'm speaking this way to you, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things Things that belong to salvation. And the, literally right before this, talking about the fear of losing your faith and apostasy, he said we can be sure of better things. And the better things are the banking and the truth and the, the, the solidness of salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook the works and the love that you have shown in his name and serving the saints as you still do. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have a full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators to those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The author reminds us that there are better things that we can place our rest in. And that rest is upon the hope of salvation, the hope that is rooted in the faith that we possess in Christ Jesus. This was given to us as a gracious gift 
And it is because we recognize that through Jesus Christ and our, our faith in Christ Jesus, that that is what saves us. He saves us. And our works then are thus a reflection and a byproduct of our faith, of our maturity. Thus, our actions and responses to God's calling on our life as we persevere through this life's challenges, through this life's pressures, through this life's trials, we demonstrate our maturity by pressing forward. We press forward. Not that we would be sluggish, dragging our feet, not making decisions that prioritize our comfort rather than stepping out in faith, but being imitators of those that have gone before us, even those that gave their lives for the advancement of the gospel and have loved others as we have been loved by God. This might sound accusative, but has it been a while since you took daily time to read your word, gone on a mission trip, taking your own personal time and resources to finally not be about building your own interests or your own comfort, but rather to serve others, to lend a helping hand when they're saying I'm hurting and actually sharing the gospel with an unbeliever. This is not to accuse you, but to call you to rise to the standard. Or what then, church? Shall we remain on milk? I pray not, for it is in this maturity that we can taste mm -mm -mm -mm, and see that the Lord is good. He is good because we can read his word. He is good because he gives us boldness to go out on a mission. He gives us, he gives us our time and attention and the resource that we have and shows us how he uses our resources to be a blessing to others and to hear the, the amazing stories of those that were once unbelievers to be revealed into the light, to believe, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is the one thing it's one thing to imagine, going back to it, it's one thing to imagine being part of an organization. The example I gave in the last sermon was like, I'm from Houston, right? Born and raised in Houston. So like I can put on a Texans jersey with football pads and a helmet. That don't mean I'm no, now, yes, the Texans are not doing so well and they need Jesus's help right now. But just because I put on a jersey, a helmet and some cleats, that don't mean I'm a Texan. You can put on whatever Greek letter words or say whatever you need to say. That don't mean that I went there, right? It doesn't. No matter what I do, I wasn't actually really in it. There's an actual heart transformation that happens when you look to your teammate and your friend that's actually gone through it with you and say to them, we can press forward because there's something that cements us together, that brings us closer and we can walk together as we are one team. And church, beloved, we can do that. And it is because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection that we, church, can corporately proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And thus he has given us the sacraments given to us with distinct clarity that we are adopted as sons and daughters. And it is this reason that we come to the table.